All right, everybody, super exciting news. We have got a brand new service that we're offering right in-house here at Cedar Creek Capital, which is our architectural services. We have an in-house architect now who is specifically here to help you build and design your facilities in the most efficient way. Follow the link below in the show notes, get in touch with us, and our in-house architect can start working with you today. One of the best ways to optimize management and to increase the value of your self-storage facility is through property management. And that means you're going to need really good property management software. That's where Tenant Inc. comes in. These guys have a huge amount of tools at your fingertips that you guys can deploy and put into motion to extract the maximum amount of value and deploy the maximum amount of value at your storage facility. Again, this is Tenant Inc. Be sure to check them out. They're all things property management. It's truly your one-stop shop. Check them out. Link is in the show notes. Welcome everybody to the Self Storage Income Podcast. And today we are going to be talking about how to find that winning deal or the three things you have to do every time to find that deal that will be successful. That sounds like an awesome plan, dude. It's uh, it's going to be a really good podcast. This is what it's all about. It's about systems. It's about finding that system that you can apply over and over and over again to uh, not only get a good deal today, but to get good deals today, tomorrow, into the future and um, be able to get things going on no matter what. Exactly. The we, you really have to look at this as a methodical system as we're not winning the lottery. It's one of those things that I, I get frustrated sometimes with people too, because they're like, I don't understand why brokers aren't bringing me good deals. Mm-hmm. And I always have to think, what, what does that mean? Right? Like you want someone to hand you something that is winning, but the vast majority of the time that I hear that, I think that they probably don't even know how to recognize whether it is or not. And usually that is the default to a cap rate. Hence the reason why I hate that discussion. Because when people say, well, he keeps giving me six caps or five caps or whatever that is. And I'm like, so then what is winning to you? At least a seven and a half or an eight cap. I'm like, that has nothing to do with a winning deal or not. Mm-hmm. And you can buy a five cap that is a home run deal or a five cap that is a bad deal. And the same thing with an eight cap. It's just that's not that that that's not what winning is. That's that's mm-hmm. not what a good deal is. And I feel like so many people that is the method is like, oh I'm gonna wait till I find or someone hands me a great deal. And the truth of the matter is that we create the deals, but you have to be able to identify what makes a good deal in order to execute the strategy that will create it and execute that plan. Because a good deal to one operator and another may be completely different. So how is that? How could that even be? Well, it's because they execute things differently. They mm-hmm. both may have a great execution and a strategy that leads them to a good deal but it may not be a good deal for the other person. They both understand what the circumstances are that they need to find and identify that potential that they can execute on. And a lot of times it goes back down to our old saying, self-storage is a business, 
it is not a real estate asset. And too many people view it as simply just a real estate asset that I'm going to get a good deal on because I look at comps and I look at cap rates like they would look at a house. Uh, and that's simply not how it is. So today we wanna to go over to the three things that help you identify. And as you look at deals, which one mm-hmm. is going to be more of a winning strategy? Dude, I love I love that comparison that you just made. And those are those are real conversations that I've had with people at our events trying to get them to understand what the value is because they're they're thinking cap rates they're thinking real estate but you're like no it's it's the cash flow like it's it's a business it's not the real estate exactly um, perfect time example. and time again perfect example of this is our inner circle um event we had here so we did some activities which uh turned out to be awesome everybody in our in our group loved it but what we did is we created case studies And these case studies we created in a binder, we gave all the information, meaning the market information, the deal information, everything as it was. And then they got into groups, they had to underwrite the deal, they had three of them, then they had to tell us which deals they would have taken and which deals they uh, would not. They could pick a winner, and then one that uh, they they needed out of the three to pick one that they would choose and one that they didn't want. And the thing about the case studies were they didn't know when they walked into them these were all our deals so we knew exactly how they would play out (laughs) and we gave all the exact information that we had when we purchased those deals Um, and so then as they were going through them they had the exact information we had and from there we asked everybody right what it was and then we walked through each deal and said well this is now how it turned out probably one of the best things we've ever done at one of the the events and the inner circle obviously loved it but the reason being is that even us when we look back on those deals um i think hindsight's always 2020 and people looking back on a deal that we may have done assume that we know today what we knew back then and that's why we bought it that's not how these things play out that's not how these things work out in fact one of them we did not have a square feet per capita like how much storage uh was there how much square feet of storage was there per capita in that market and the reason being is because back when we bought it that wasn't even a metric we looked at that information wasn't even available we didn't we didn't have that um so when we did it and rolled it out the three deals first all of them were good deals they're all great deals uh but the one that was clearly the best or the home run uh not one person chose to be the one that they would buy not one group picked that deal and it i think it tells a lot about first of all two things we want to pick great deals every single time and using the underwriting and this methodology which we're going under that's the goal right like it should be we this is going to be a great deal but out of those it can be very hard to really know which one as time goes on and things play out there's a lot of things under control will be that rock star that one that's just an absolute home run and uh, the truth of the matter is you can never really know so the idea is you want to buy great deals and we look at that potential 
like here's the downside we know where it's limited where it's not and here's where the upside um most likely is and within this range and if as long as we hit it it's a great deal we want to move forward and has the potential to do even better and this is i think a problem that a lot of people can have because they want it to be precise meaning they want it to be a direct equation so, okay aj when you say um we're going to tell you how to find great deals then really what they're saying is, AJ, I want you to give me three pieces of information that I need to look at that will guarantee that that will be a great deal with a great outcome. That's not how this works, okay? That is not how this works. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about the three things that you need to look at, but what they really are are starting points and there's all these variables that they need to go into, but we want to find the three things that make it a good deal and a great deal the execution everything like that we'll 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 go into it and it'll depend so before i jump into that that makes sense totally makes sense man it is super interesting it's just it's amazing to see you know when you're working within those structures because these people in the inner circle group that we have they've it, this isn't their first rodeo a lot of these people are owners and operators themselves they own businesses they they know finance they're very sophisticated individuals for the most part like super amazing group of people yeah and to have that scenario where not a single person or not a single yeah. group ended up choosing the best of the best deal and it's not that they did anything wrong it's simply that they used those structures that they've been provided and that they've used in the past and weren't able to identify the the best of the best or the worst of the worst or whatever it was it was just and we kind of talked about the icing on the cake and things like that as well where it's again you talked about operating within this range if that asset hits anywhere within this range we're good to go anything outside of it is is upside and, and icing on the cake and so but those are metrics like you said you can't plan for you can't yeah. expect and um and yeah you're just, right some of them have owned they own over 10 facilities mm -hmm. now other yeah. of, of them don't own any have never even invested and it was interesting to see that comparison mm -hmm. between those two. So yeah. you had some people in the group that were operators, storage owners, right? That other people in the group that have like, I've never even bought real estate before. And as they walked in, and the one thing that I noticed was, I think there was a default to assume that that guy that or girl that has owned all these facilities and they automatically do. But I heard repeatedly the people that owned nothing and had never been in it and were just trying to get started on that journey, giving great information and feedback that was actually super relevant mm -hmm. that would have helped them along their way. <laughs> and oftentimes it was overlooked That's because it was a default to, well, I know, right? Interesting. So, what, yeah. Do you remember what those were? Yes. So there was a few examples um, like the one of the deal that was that winning deal which was two uh there's a reason why a lot of people didn't think it was going to be the winning deal mainly because interest or because rates were so high on that deal in comparison to its market but the one thing that i kept hearing an individual kind of go back to was now but look at occupancy and incomes in this area and there's no vacancy there had never been vacancy. And what they were looking at was the incomes in this area were very, very high. There was zero vacancy. And all of the competitors in this market were mom and pop, single operator, extraordinarily poor ones. 
why this was such a valid good point, because what they were saying is, I don't know if the market is accurately setting rates. And that was true. The market was not. The If you had somebody like maybe like Extra Space or a great, great big regional operator that had presence in a market and they were at a certain rate and they had some vacancy, that's a pretty good indicator of where we've hit the top, right? Because you know they're pressing rates. You know that they're mm-hmm. on top of it. But in a market that where single operator owns, super mom and pop, that have always never had vacancy, they, they were always 100%, there's no units available, and they were all kind of mimicking a same rate, that question should have come up more. But the thing that the uh, a lot of the operators and people looked at was the rate level and the lack of um, test points in it, meaning I don't see a higher point right? I don't see that market. So they assumed that they were kind of already at that top threshold, Mm -hmm. which isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying that that's a bad way to look at it or whatnot. But it was just interesting that I heard multiple people and one of them being had never even been in the business was pointing out something that I was like, this is a screaming indicator here, (laughs) right? That, uh, that, that, that people were incredible, man. I mean, it just, it's such a testament to that fundamental of supply and demand always and your your avatars or your demographics ability to actually execute and consume the product that you're offering. Yes. Like, I mean, it's just such a testament to that because Absolutely. that was the deal that ended up being like yeah. the best. Yes. Right. Yep. And there no new storage had been developed. There's a whole other bunch of things, but uh, it was awesome. Well, all right. So let's get down to the three things, everybody. These three things are a very simple uh, three items that I w- used to look at to uh, do business acquisitions. So it was primarily generated on a very simple formula that from here, each one I would need to go into, but I needed all three things to make sure that a winning company would be actually winning. And it's the same thing that I look for with storage. So in order to pick a winning company or a winning location, you first need um, the right wave, the right board, and the right rider to use the analogy of surfing. Because at the end of the day, um, this is about the market. This is about your customers' successes. It's not about you, right? The only part that's about you is that rider. But the thing you have to understand is the rider can't ride on a non-existent wave. So if you're out surfing and the water's flat, you're not surfing. There mm-hmm. is no raid to wa- uh, uh, wave to ride on, mm-hmm. and if you don't have a if you have a um, uh, floaties and not a surfboard, you're not riding the wave, <laughs> you're right? Freaking smash! It doesn't dude. matter how good of a rider you are. <laughs> floaties. So, like, that's that's more my style, uh, awesome. but you know, like little pink arm floaties, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, you know, you can't you can't ride it. So when when you when I look at this, the fir- that's why they come first, meaning the wave. When we look at the wave, I find a lot of people that dramatically, dramatically overestimate this uh, or underestimate this, meaning they don't think it's as important as it is. This was something that I learned early on. Buying facilities that I didn't feel were going anywhere and we couldn't have them go anywhere. And the primary reason was, was we got things right, maybe the location, maybe occupancy things. There was no big wave though. So it was just stagnant. And when we started looking and getting bigger and looking at bigger facilities, 
we realized, let's go identify the wave. Let's find the right board. And then let's be the best writer to write it. So would you identify, would you say the wave would, would equal growth? To you? I think the like wave, yes, the, the wave equals that potential and that mm-hmm. movement. Now, generally, we find it in the market growth, um, but also it could not be the market growth. It could be overall rates and a discrepancy mm-hmm. within rates. So we often call this to rate runway, like how much moving forward potential is there is. So if the market has very little growth, but is massively underserved. Mm-hmm. And you have a facility that has rates that are really below the market. Well, you're looking at this going, that demand, even without growth, is so big, right? There's so much demand. for, And that's really what Wave is. There's so much demand and demand, need yeah. okay. and wanting for that asset that you could, like, people often hear my margin of stupidity. And what I'm saying is I need to pick a market that the wave is good enough to where I can be stupid, meaning I can be a poor writer and still be successful. in. that's what I'm trying to find. And so if I, if I'm a poor writer, if I'm not a good writer and I'm in a flat market, meaning there's no wave to even push me, obviously that's going to be a disaster. Mm -hmm. And so I can get into a lot of trouble. So the wave is that demand Mm -hmm. that is there. And when we look at the board then that is the asset okay now people think well it's storage so yeah storage but that's not true because every single asset has different products and offerings that they're offering that market and a lot of people look at the wave overall then they buy an asset that is not placed to ride the wave meaning that they have product types that people in that market aren't even using and now they can't get rates up they can't get their vacant uh they can't get rid of their vacancy we buy assets like this and restructure them. So it's like we find this this wave and this board that isn't working. So we grab the board, we make it into a new board, and then we catch the wave and mm-hmm. ride it, right? But the previous owner was just not able to catch any waves because the, the board wasn't right. It didn't work on that wave. So when we look at that, that involves location, that involves product offerings and utilization. Very simple format. Uh, we have builders, and we've talked about this on the podcast, that are in markets that want very large units, but they build smaller units because the price per square foot is higher, so they're going to make more money. And that works out good on Excel, but then in reality, nobody wants the smaller units, so now you have vacancy, and you just can't succeed. Um, so that's a simplified version of what we're talking about. Things also you can't change. I can't change the location. I can't change how people are coming in and out of the asset. I get once that asset is built, how's that road work? Are you on a road where you, like people can't easily get into it? And so now all of a sudden, I, there was an asset that I saw put RV parking and they were on a major road that had this very, there's no light, there's no anything. They had to turn in, the end is a cul-de-sac and then they had to get back out. You, there was a, a barrier in the medium, so only one-way traffic. And I'm like, this is a horrible setup for anybody that's us- utilizing an RV. So they may have picked demand correctly, but then they put on pink floaties and are expecting mm-hmm. to ride this wave where yeah. nobody's going to want to use that board right for that wave. So that's how I look at the overall board. And then the rider. Once again... 
you can have a great wave, a great board, and you cannot catch any of those and ride those waves. This is the foundational principle of our entire strategy. All we do is we find out where awesome waves are and we look around and we find a great board and we find a uh, rider who doesn't know how to surf and we're like, we've been doing this for now two decades. We have infrastructure in place, meaning we have the skill set, we have the knowledge, we know when to go, when to not go and we come in and just tell him, hey buddy, see you're out here just paddling in circles. Why don't we buy your board from you and we'll ride the waves and that's what we do. I mean, really, that's kind of our principal format. Mm -hmm. Other times, we will find waves that we think are incredible, but there's no boards available that will match the waves. That's when we build, okay? That's all we're doing. We've identified a wave. We've identified that the assets in the market are not fit for that wave. Lots of times, that's because that market has changed fundamentally. We see a lot of this. The market has changed in growth, but the assets in it haven't changed or grown with the market. And so there's this huge spread between what demand is, what people are wanting, and what boards are out there to ride that wave. We can go then and build a really nice board to fit those waves and be mm -hmm. successful. Well, man, and that's a huge talking point, especially right now with <clears throat> the implementation of technology and all these shifts in user and consumer expectation. Yes. Um, that is going to be a huge discrepancy, I think, more and more as uh, we continue to go forward here with just all the advancements that we're seeing every single day and every single year at this point. And um, all of these, you know, uh, real estate, a lot of these industries, they're slow to adopt technology a lot of times and storage is not an exception. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely see a lot of opportunity there to uh, for value add or development. 100%. And I think that this is the point that we're we're trying to make is like once you identify each of the three steps, you can go deep on any of them. So you can have a winning strategy on either one of those items, okay? So if you're looking at a market and maybe people aren't identifying the wave because it doesn't look like there's a wave there, but you realize that, holy cow, there is waves here they may not be ginormous, but there's waves here. And because there's no riders, this it's all yours and it's all open. And you can ride great waves and you can be very successful in it because everybody couldn't figure it out or, or looked over it. We find that a lot of times in small, stable markets where the riders and the boards just all, all suck. So the waves are all yours and there's no one riding. You can have a great career getting the right boards and riding those waves, right? Then other times people, all they do is create or reformat boards, developers, right? Things like that. And so you can do the same. Then you have others that are great riders. That has always been our principal goal was we wanted to be a great writer. Why? Because I th thought if we're a great writer, then we can do the other two. So mm -hmm. meaning that we can find the great waves or we, or we can adapt and build boards mm -hmm. really well. And so for us, it's like we want all three, but we had to start out being the best writer that we could. There's other people that say, I don't even want to be a writer, period. So all I want to do is identify 
great waves and great boards and mm-hmm. hire someone else to do exactly. everything I just else. want to watch people ride. Yep. I just want to sit there and watch it. I'm Hang a, out on know, the beach. And that's great. And Figuratively then, Exactly. And they make all the money. They sit there drinking. <laughs> My ties is great. They sponsor yeah. those riders, right? And so, like, the that's the thing about this is you can be successful in actually being an expert at just one of these things. But you need to really understand all of them because if you don't want to be a writer, you have to be able to identify who the writer is going to be. Once again, it doesn't work if you pick a wrong writer, right? That doesn't that doesn't work. Um, you may be able to identify a wave, but then you have a really crappy board and you just can't be successful. So you need all three, but you don't have to be the expert in all three. Now, the deal, when you're looking at this, I, this is what I mean when I say, say that people, generally speaking, can't identify you know a deal or whatnot meaning that first of all they have one item in all three and that's what they key in on uh price uh cap rate uh location right uh the market um or just the writer and that is a failed strategy and i see it all the time and this is where we get things where people look at markets that are booming and like the wave is so big it doesn't even matter i just need to grab a board and throw myself in the water and this wave is going to push me. So people flood in and they're like, I can't buy anything. So what do we all do? We all build. Well, then all of a sudden the wave dies. And everybody's sitting around now waiting for the next wave to come. And who knows when it'll even show up. So all of a sudden they have this product in a market. They may be a good writer, may have hired anybody else, but the wave's just not there anymore. And that was the only strategy. And now there's vacancies in the market. It was overbuilt. Um, and then once again, you have the opposite on all different items. You may have a third-party management company that is really, really good at operating, but they are subject to the owner's location, board, and wave, right? Um, you need to understand all three. You need to pick in all three what you're doing, and you need to understand that your strategy is a mix of how you execute Every time we look, the strategy will depend on the individual market, will depend on that individual asset, and it will depend on our skill set, mm-hmm. what we are good at, and our strategy. All three of those come together, we have a great deal. All three of them, okay? So other people may have a maybe really good writer, but it's a totally different kind of uh, board that they write on and a totally different kind of wave. They play on a different beach than we do. That's Mm -hmm. totally fine, right? And they can be very successful at that. But what you can't have is you can't have one or two of the three. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work. I like what you just touched on where, you know, certain certain waves and certain deals work for some and not for others. I think it's a really good and important distinction to make as well because so often I think we get caught up in this idea that there are these standards you know, that this is a good deal for everyone or and this is not a good deal for everyone and that's just not the case. Not the you know, case again, at all. It comes down to that ability to execute. And, you know, what stage, you know, what, what season of investing or whatever it is that you're doing that you particularly are in. Um, there's a lot of things that don't make sense to us that we kick down to our inner circle members. There's a lot of things that don't make sense for them that they kick up to us. Um, all the time. Yeah. It's funny because somebody even asked me, they're like, oh, I don't understand though. Why would you pass that on if you think that's a good deal? And I'm like, look at my board. Exactly. My board, it can't ride that wave. Mm-hmm. I need 400 plus thousand in gross potential revenue. It doesn't matter if the wave is good. 
it doesn't matter if I'm like, this is a good deal for a smaller board. I don't have it. So I can't write it. Mm-hmm. I'm not set up for it. I have my board. I know what I, exactly right, or right. excuse me, I, uh, I have my skill set. I know my writing skills and my writing skills is very predicated to a certain board and a certain wave. Mm-hmm. I do not choose to go to things that even though they're good deals, I can't ride. It, like, and, and that doesn't mean that those deals aren't good. That doesn't mean that I think that those writers are bad. It's not us. And that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. And that's actually amazing. That's actually wonderful. Because if so, we'd all be fighting over the exact same thing. <laughs> and nobody could be successful unless they did this one thing. And then you would not have a good functioning market. And it, you would all be competing over the same assets and everything else would be left to the wayside, right? Mm-hmm. So for us, that's why we're more of this abundance mindset where, hey, listen, there's opportunities for everyone. I cannot write all the waves. I don't have all the boards, right? And I can't be the best writer for every single situation and occasion. There's waves that we look at that we're like, we're not equipped to write. There's markets that we just look at and we're going, I, I mean, I've told stories about this where markets that I couldn't write in. And you know, let me share you a story. Perfect example of this. We were looking at a deal. It was one of our case studies. And that deal, we had a chance to buy at $1.5 million. At the time, we liked the wave. Okay, We liked the market. We were in the market. So we knew it intimately. We were a really good writer at the time. But the board, meaning the asset, was rough. It needed work. But that board's location was incredible, right? Everything else. You had to tear down office. We had to rebuild some stuff and everything. As a writer, we were not equipped to adjust our board. We needed essentially that board to be handed to us in perfect condition or else we didn't know how to write it. And so we said no to it. Uh, Three years later, even though like revenue hadn't really changed or anything else, we came back and we bought that asset for 2.5 million so we paid a million more for the exact same thing and everybody is like oh man don't you wish you would have bought it three years prior and the answer is no because as a writer we probably would have failed and we would have screwed up we didn't have all three things we ended up developing learning more about building and contractors and who we needed to work with three years later we were a writer that could ride that board. So we went and paid a million dollars premium to wait till we were better. And it was worth it. That was a great, incredible, amazing deal. I couldn't have made that an amazing deal though when we first looked at it. So it wasn't a buy. A lot of people don't get this, right? Somebody else could have bought that for a million dollars less at the time and been incredibly successful. And it didn't mean I should have bought it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people think, oh, well, you're going to be mad that you passed up on this deal because it's going to be an amazing deal. And I'm like, why would I be mad about that? First of all, because I pass up on a deal doesn't necessarily mean it is a horrible deal and that you buying it's going to not, not work out. It's not what I'm saying, right? It's an ideal for us. And if you're successful, which I hope you are, like in storage, if I'm in a market and somebody is failing, that doesn't mean I'm doing good. If you have an asset in a market that has 60% vacancy is dropping rates and I'm in that market, that doesn't help me. Mm -hmm. People failing don't help me, right? So all of a sudden, 
it's like I want them to buy it. I want them to be successful because I want rates to go up and everything. That doesn't mean, though, that I should be buying it. And that's okay. That's great, right? So don't have this negative, you know, you need to have more of an abundance mindset. Having an abundance mindset allows you to meet other people, work with other people, grow as a writer, identify boards, and identify waves and learn how to be a better writer in all aspects, right? And understand that people winning helps you out and is good for you. And that if you want to see other people lose, first of all, you're focusing on the right things. I just don't believe that's a winning strategy ever. Mm -hmm. No, totally agree. And I love how it just it brings that whole thing full circle to where at the beginning you talked about, and we talked about a little bit throughout the podcast, this being business acquisition, where you're going in, you're meshing an opportunity with your skill set and ability to execute. 100%. And a lot of times we'll get in the weeds when wherever we're doing our webinars, which we do free webinars like every other week, and we dive into different underwriting or market analysis, right, everything else, but it always just comes back to those three principles. Our skills and tactics are aligned to identify, pinpoint the wave, right? That's what we're doing, that market analysis. And the best, better we can get into it, like at first you you rely on visuals, but then all of a sudden you learn, wow, okay, there's tides, the ocean's doing this and this, there's storms that come in and things change. And you're like, I need to know all of it so I can understand, so I can get better at finding and predicting waves. So mm -hmm. the further down you go, the more of a master at your trade you become. And that improves your quality of identifying, not predicting, but identifying these things. And it's the same on every single level. So we work very hard to understand the way we're writing, to really understand the boards, and we work hard so we can be a better writer. And um, it takes time. That's another thing people don't like, okay? It doesn't mean you can't be successful right out of the gate, because you can and you should be. So if you identify your margin of stupidity, everybody, that allows you to learn, okay? That allows you to be out there riding waves, but also learning without being in big, big trouble. Okay. We went out when we were in Hawaii and we hired an instructors that taught me and my kids how to surf, right? They were with us the whole time, pushing us out. The first time, you know, it's like, okay, this is a totally weird sensation, everything to know, but it's all right because we got back and just went right back. And then over time, it was like, oh, no, we're getting this, right? Mm -hmm. We're You have help, you're listening to the podcast, but if you're not doing, you're really not learning. There's mm -hmm. just some things that you can't learn unless you're doing. You have to be out there. You have to be participating. You have to be active. Hence the reason why with our inner circle, we went to case studies. Why? Because I'm like, this isn't a video. Like, I want you to get together. Here's all the data information. You have your modelers. You have everything else. You have to do. And that's why people loved it because they went, wow, I learned so much. Not because somebody was sitting talking alone, but because they were doing mm -hmm. it. And then afterwards, they could see. And that is how you become a better writer. Dude, absolutely love it. A um, lot of good info there. So many things that we could even just dive into and unpack. You know, being able to adapt, you know, not being afraid of changing and being able mm -hmm. to ride new waves and new boards. And uh, yeah, I mean, you touched on another thing is, is finding coaches, like people that can guide you through the process of learning something new and something different, um, being able to fail um, and, and learn from those failures and implement new, new strategies and, and growth. So, uh, all good stuff, man. It's all good stuff. And man, that, that event last week was just 
absolutely incredible. So many good conversations, so many good people. Um, huge shout out to all you guys who, who yeah. came out and hung out with us. Thank you guys. Um, and look forward to doing many more like that. Uh, we've right. got a couple of events going on every year mm-hmm. um, where we're just continuing to, to bring these incredible people together and have, have these experiences, learn, grow together, get people together and not only just talk storage and business but being able to talk life and yeah. you know going through these things that we're all going through and, and struggles and triumphs and just good real authentic people um man i, I just couldn't be more pleased with the uh, the amazing group we've, we've been able to put together man so. i i agree and it makes a difference i mean opportunity wise like we tell people too it's it's harder than it was okay there's no nobody doesn't understand that we have to look at way more deals because buyers are not on the same page as sellers so we look at way more deals more deals fall apart um the capital side is harder right and the market isn't just on a rampage like it 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 used to be okay now in that though lies so much opportunity that's why you know we're doing it but understanding that as well though means when we're working with other people and we understand that benefit of finding deals in creative ways and finding resources in creative ways that comes through connections with other people and looking at things different and right now that's a big deal it's really Mm -hmm. really important to be doing that right now because waiting for the broker just to hand you money and your brother-in-law who happens to have a lot of cash on hand and a bank that is willing to just give you money that doesn't work anymore okay you gotta be more creative i mean so many people in well the community are doing deals together but even in our inner circle we've done deals with like multiple of them they're all doing deals together right so change you gotta change right you gotta find opportunity and that comes from people this is a people's game right and that's why you want others to be successful so you can too so get out there look at it different identify your three areas everybody and just keep hitting it hard because right now the amount of opportunities may seem like they're a lot smaller but the quality of opportunities that are that people are finding i believe is much greater and when you're a newbie particularly this is a way better time than when you're competing with everybody solely on capital Mm -hmm. right now the opportunities are there sellers are the ones that are serious right that are actually moving forward um, we're just seeing amazing things right now. I mm-hmm. mean, for our fund Agreed. right now, we've got deals that are all seller finance. I mean, things that we just couldn't have gotten when our first fund went out, just wouldn't have even worked. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that said, get out there, collaborate, build that network, find the deals, make the deals. That's right. Get things done, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. We'll see you next time. <laughs>